There's a few scriptures I'd like for you to read with me this morning. And the first one is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. But I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And so as, Peter, pardon me, as Timothy is speaking here, he says we need to pray for all men. We need to pray for the lost. We need to pray for those of us that are Christians. We need to pray for those that are in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You know, it's kind of hard to live that quiet and peaceable life sometimes that we desire. But that's what we should desire. That's what God wants for us. And he said we should pray for those in authority that we might be able to live that kind of a life. Do we do that? I hope that we do. You know, I've been doing quite a bit of studying since the first of the year, and I'm, some of my preaching is going to take a different direction from what it's been in the past. I think we've overlooked a lot of things or cut them short for the attention that they deserve. And so today we're going to talk about a subject that I have entitled Lessons from Daniel. And if you will, open your Bible and turn to the book of Daniel, the first chapter, and that's where we're going to begin. Daniel chapter 1. I love the book of Daniel. I've always loved the book of Daniel. A lot of my faith rests on this book. Daniel chapter 2 gives that prophecy of the four world empires and then the church coming into existence. There's no way to explain how Daniel could have known that hundreds of years in advance except inspiration. And Daniel chapter 9, the 70 weeks which foretold the exact time when Jesus would come and the law would be changed. Hundreds of years in advance. I love the book of Daniel. Daniel is a very inspirational person to me. And so I want to talk about some lessons from Daniel this morning. First of all, in Daniel 1 and verse 8, there is a verse that you've heard me use before, but I want to really put the emphasis on it this morning. Daniel 1 and verse 8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel purposed in his heart. He made up his mind what he was going to do and what he wasn't going to do. And we're going to have some more to say about that as we go along in our lesson this morning. But the, the thing that I want to get out of that first of all is Daniel's lesson in humility. This verse says that Daniel requested of the prince of the eunuchs. You know, Daniel could approach that in a lot of different ways. He could have told the prince of the union he wasn't fixing to do that. He could have. Well, that's not what he did. 
Daniel requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might be able to, to live according to the dictates of his conscience and not defile himself. I think there's a tremendous lesson in this verse that will help us in every area of our life if we'll keep it in mind. And that is when we're approaching people that are in authority, whether it's a school teacher or a policeman or the elders, whoever. Approach them in humility. These people have a job to do. It's not always easy to do. Any leader that will reject someone that comes to them with humility is not a good leader. And if we will approach those that are in authority over us with humility, I think most of the time we're going to be cons given consideration and maybe we'll get what we want. Demanding doesn't work too well. You know, one thing that we need to consider when we do make this request is our request may put that person in some kind of danger. We may not even thought about that. When Daniel made this request, the first thing that this prince of the eunuch said, Daniel, that could cost me my head. <laughs> and it could very well have done that. But you see, Daniel had a plan. And in humility, he presented that plan at a test. And he said, let us eat just the pulse for ten days and not eat these meats that we're not supposed to eat. And then you check us out and see if we don't look just as healthy as the guys that's eating off the king's table. That was reasonable. And the eunuch granted him that permission. The prince of the eunuchs, pardon me. They passed the test with flying colors. They got what they wanted. And they didn't have to defile their conscience because of the way they approached it. You know, we might put a person that we make a request of in danger of losing a position or rank. No doubt he did not want to lose his job as prince of the eunuchs. That was a high honor. It was probably a pretty cushy job. And he didn't want to lose that. You know, we could cause problems for people in their family. Because we want them to do something for us that's going to create a problem at home. We need to consider that when we make requests. We need to be considerate of other people people doing to others as you would have others doing to you is what Jesus taught us. The eunuch, the prince of the eunuchs, keep saying the eunuch, the prince of the eunuchs did what Daniel asked. Daniel probably saved his own life by his approach to that situation and probably for sure saved his own position that he had. He was right next to three kings, three kings in his lifetime that he had influence with. And that influence greatly affected God's people. 
tremendously. What if Daniel had not been in that position? You think it would have made any difference? I think it would have made a whale of a lot of difference. And if Daniel had said, I'm not going to do it, I ask this question, is that wise? Is that wise? You know, if you approach things in that manner, you've just about guaranteed yourself that you're not going to get your way. When there's anything that's up in the air in question and we dig our heels in on one side, what's the other side going to do? They're going to dig their heels in. And so, with an ugly attitude, we can stir up another ugly attitude. Pride begets pride, arrogance begets arrogance, rebellion begets rebellion, and anger begets anger. I think that's a valuable lesson for us to learn in dealing with other people if we want to be successful. I believe that Daniel was truly an example of the spirit ruling over the flesh. He might have wanted to massage his ego, but he refrained and made a wise decision. Cannot we see the principles that are involved here? Someone says, well, I don't think John Wayne didn't have very much humility. We like John Wayne. I like John Wayne movies. He got in lots of fights, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, sure did. Is that what we want to do is go around fighting people all the time our whole life? I truly believe that these verses can help us if we'll put them into practice. Daniel purposed that he would not, but that's not what he told the eunuch. That wouldn't have been wise, would it? He kept that to himself. You know, there's a lot of times we just need to keep our mouth shut and not be running our mouth. I believe Daniel would have stood by his beliefs if he had to, and later he would have to. But in this instance, he didn't have to. He, he sought peace instead of chaos. You know, there's another place where we find something similar, and that's in the second chapter of Daniel in verse number 49. And Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat at the gate of the king. He used the same approach, didn't he? This time he was talking to the king himself. What if Daniel hadn't been in that position? The course of history could have been very different here, folks, if Daniel had not been wise. So Daniel requested of the king, 
And he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. That's the capital. And Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Did that position with the king <clears throat> help Daniel to get his friends into a very influential position? It did. It really did. What if these men had not been over the capital? Hey, these are slaves that have been carried to a strange country. You think people were anxious to please them? But you see, they had some representation in high places. Was that a good thing? <clears throat> you know, the reason these people attained unto that is because of their integrity and their wisdom. In chapter 1 and verse number 20, these men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding the kingdom that the king inquired of them, they found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that went all his realm. He recognized wisdom immediately because he was a wise king. He recognized integrity immediately. He was dealing with people who had it. They were ten times better at what they did than the citizens of that kingdom. That's why they were in that position. Daniel didn't get his job because of race. He didn't get his job because of nationality. He didn't get his job because of family. It was because of skill and wisdom and integrity. And I believe the Bible example shows us that a person can serve in an extremely wicked government and keep their integrity. And I haven't always thought that. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how I hit this place on the radio this week, but I did. And it was a congressman that was speaking. He's a very moral man. And he said, it'll probably surprise you, but I have Bible studies with my Conrads every day. Once a week we have a planned Bible study in Congress. You know, it may be feel better that somebody up there knew the difference between good and evil. And I'm sure he don't get his way all. I know he don't get his way all the time. But he's a voice for us. I didn't know that until a day or two ago. But I was glad to hear it. I'm sure Daniel was around a lot of wickedness that he didn't appreciate, a lot of evil things that he disapproved of. But he purposed in his heart that he would not be a part of that. He wasn't going to give in that for any reason. Not for money, not for fame, not for popularity, not for family, for not anyone else would he change his convictions. 
He had been raised on the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet and lust anything of thy neighbors. Let me tell you, there was a man, that's who he was. That wasn't just his belief, that's who he was. Daniel and others were willing to die for their principles. Unwavering, true faith in the God of heaven. That's why they were in those positions. We need to be drilling these things into our children. Our country has slipped so far morally, it's not even on the scale anymore. I remember a number of years ago when someone's name come up to be on the Supreme Court and he had smoked one joint of marijuana when he was a teenager and he wasn't even considered because of that. Now we want to legalize everything. We need to be teaching our children to stand for what they believe in. That's what these guys did. These are the people that are going to be blessed by God regardless of where they are. We don't always know where we're going to end up. Health reasons, family reasons, accidents, monetary disasters. Didn't make any difference. People with this kind of belief and integrity are going to flourish. Is that what you want for your kids? Then drill this into them. God said, obey my voice, and I will be your God. And ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. What? That it may be well unto you. You believe that? I can just hear people say, you believe that? That old funny book that's outdated, and you, do you believe that? Yes, sir. We believe it. And we need to be living by it. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it, it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. You think God has anything to do with the work that we do? Absolutely. If we follow his teaching. There's an old saying, the cream rises to the top. And it's true. We need to instill these principles into our children and they're going to be a people of integrity and they're going, to, they're going to succeed wherever they go. In Ephesians 5 and verse 3, Paul said, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you. Once is one time too many. That's the kind of people that these Hebrew guys were. 
They knew they weren't supposed to commit adultery. They knew they weren't supposed to be lusting other, after other things. They had moral character. The only time Daniel would have resisted those in authority is when he would have had to defile himself. He purposed in his heart he would not. You know, they wanted him to eat meat, and that would have probably been pork and shrimp and other things that the law forbid the children of Israel to eat. They were an abomination unto God, and Daniel wasn't fixing to eat those things. He wasn't going to drink the wine that the king drank. You know, in those drunken feasts that they had, they praised the gods of gold and silver and brass and iron and wood and stone. In other words, idols. And we find that that's exactly what they practiced in the book of Daniel. Daniel would not. That's what the verse says. He would not. He would not bend. He would not break. But he didn't mouth about it. And that's what kept him in power. He didn't belittle the prince of eunuchs for doing that. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, different king, whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits, and set it up in the plain of Dur in the prince of, of Babylon. And so the king made this great, huge idol. And whenever the instruments were sounded, people were to bow down and they were to worship this image. Well, here's Daniel's friends. What are they going to do? They just went on about their business. Well, they got told on. And then they found themselves in hot water. And so they brought them up before the king. The king says, well, you've got to save for yourself. They said, well, if our God delivers us, he said, if you, don't, if you don't do this now, this is your last chance, we're going to throw you in the fire. And they said, well, if our God chooses to deliver us from the fire, he's strong enough to do that. But irregardless, we're not going to worship the image because that's against our religion. Not a lot of railing words, just simply, we can't do that. Was God's providence and care watching over His people when they were in captivity? Absolutely. And so they, that king did just exactly what I said, if, if we tell him we're not going to do it. And he was angry. He said, heat the fire seven times hotter and pick out my best men in my army and bind these three and you take them and throw them into that fire burning furnace. 
And they did. And the fire destroyed the men that threw them in. And the king did a double take. They were walking in the fire. He said, I see four. One like the Son of Man, Jesus. And they came out. This was God watching over his people. You know what that king did? World ruler. He made a law for the whole empire that nobody could say anything against their God. That's why God intervened. He was looking out for his people. We serve that same God today. God doesn't go around doing miraculous things like that. But I'm going to tell you folks, He's still got the power to do it anytime He chose. This brought them into favor with those in authority again. See, this is a different regime here. You know, one thing that I want to mention in a later, for a later sermon, I'm going to preach along these same lines out of the New Testament. Having favor with government officials is taught as something that we as Christians should strive for. Never thought about that till recently, but it's taught in the New Testament. The only time that these people in Daniel went against authority was if it was a breaking a direct, thus saith the Lord. The only time. That was true in the New Testament. There's a couple of examples in the New Testament. When the early Christians came in conflict, direct conflict. And they didn't bend and they didn't break and they didn't bow. In Acts chapter 5, turn over there. Starting in 25, it says, Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when he had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood upon us. And then Peter and other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. What did they say? You can't teach about Jesus anymore. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do if that happens? Well, they beat them. Sometimes we may have to take a beating for what we believe, folks. We can stand that. 
They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. <laughs> they must have been idiots. No, they were people of faith. That they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name, and they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. There is a time to resist. And it's when we're told to go against God. You know, people sometimes, they get aggravated. And they get on Facebook or they get on TV and they rail and they revile. And you know what happens when people do that? They bring the wrath of those that disagree with them upon the whole group that they're a part of. See, people are quick to brand a whole organization by one or two people. And they'll do it. Especially if they're looking for some reason to criticize. They'll look long and hard. Is that good? Is that going to glorify God? You know, our purpose upon this earth is to glorify God. I have created Him for my glory. Yea, I have made Him, God said. Sometimes people do things that, that hurt. I want to read another verse of Scripture, and that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse number 11. I'd like you to turn over there if you would. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11. And here's what it says. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Is that a commandment? Sounds to me like it's a commandment. Study to be quiet. You know, I think we live in a time right now when that's really wise advice that we need to be quiet and not run in our mouth all the time. That can bring a lot of harm to you, to your family, to other Christians, to the church. I want to say to you this, month, this morning, there's nothing, I mean absolutely nothing, that's more important than the unity of the kingdom of God. Nothing. United together, Satan can't touch us. Divided, we'll fall apart. And that's why it's so important. Stick together. The world, can't, the world can't take away our hope, our mansion, our love for the brethren. This congregation loves each other. It's why they stand around here and talk all night. Nobody can take that away from us. Only we can destroy that. 
And we need to be careful that we don't. Last Sunday, I was out of town preaching, and I went to the home of a family that lives a very conservative lifestyle. They dress conservative, live in a modest house, they homeschool, and they don't have TV. But they're not loud about that. They've never said a word to me about that, and I've known them for quite a while. I got a lot of respect for that. I think they're people of conviction. I don't say that's for everybody. It hadn't been for our family. But I respect who they are. And so after lunch, I, we went to the living room, and I said, I'd like to ask a question, if it would be okay. And they said, well, yeah. And I said, I know y'all don't have a TV set, so I don't know whether you keep up with the news and all of that some other way. But I just would like to ask how that this year has affected y'all's family. There's a lot of tension in the air with a lot of people on. I'd like to know how this has affected y'all's family. And I said, we really haven't noticed much difference. A little bit. Wow. Isn't that what a low lot of people in this room would like to have? That kind of peace? Didn't we read about that in our first, our first scripture this morning? To pray for those in authority that we could have this peaceable and quiet life? Why don't we have it? It has something to do with what we allow into our lives. Doesn't it? What calm assurance they seem to have. Daniel was a wise person. Daniel served the same God that we do. Daniel didn't have the power to change the government, let me tell you. But he had the power to make a difference to those around him. And he made some difference with the way that government treated his people. Because they respected him. And they respected the Hebrew children for their integrity. When we have that kind of respect from those in our community, we're going to be lots better off, folks. Lots better off. Does God still have the power that He had in Daniel's day? Yes, He does. Yes, He does. He may not protect us in the same way, but I'm here to tell you today. He's watching over us. And if not us, then who? Then who? You believe you're a child of God? You believe there's good things in your life? Man, we have it so good. Do we appreciate it? Do we want to hold on to it? Do we want to take the sacrifices that it takes to have that? 
So why all the anxiety about letting government officials and writers and the news media affect us? If God's looking after us, why are we worried about these peripheral things? I call this the sky's falling crowd. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. What are we going to do? The sky's falling. A lot of that is led by the devil. No, no mistaking about it. John said, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do we believe that? I hope we do. So what are we afraid of? Not height, not depth, not governments can separate us from our God if we don't let it. I want you to know this morning that our eldership is not part of the sky's falling crowd. And we've spent a lot of hours in that room back there this year. Two, three, four hours at a time. Week after week. Trying to look out for this flock. We spent a, a lot of time weighing options. We asked God to be with us. We believe He is. We're not perfect. I wasn't perfect as a parent or as a husband. But I love my family. And your elders love this family. God is not a respecter of persons. And the scripture says that we should not be. And I believe that one of the strengths of this eldership is wanting what's best for everybody. Not one person or one family is going to get their way. We're going to consider the body in our decision making. I want to tell you, this eldership's not running away. We're not going anywhere. Old saying is, we're going to be here till the cows come home. And I promise you that we'll stand between you and any wolves that come along. We will stand between you and those wolves. And I'm going to tell you how much faith I have in this congregation. I believe if the elders fall, 
And if for no other reason, death will take them one day. And I believe we have people trained that will step up and fill that gap. And this church is not dependent upon this eldership. It's dependent upon God and upon Christ. And if we've done our job, and, and I feel like we've done a pretty good job of it, we've got people ready for those responsibilities. I believe this whole congregation wants to stand. And that's what we need. People that want to stand for the Lord and the things that are right. When I think about the women of this congregation, and the good deeds that they do every day in this community. Why would God not protect us? Congregation, I want to close this morning by encouraging you to be steadfast. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, inasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. A lot of the stuff in this world is going to pass away. What we do in the Lord will never pass away. And don't forget that. And every sacrifice that you make and everything that you do that may not be totally pleasant to you for the Lord, believe me, you're going to be rewarded one day beyond your expectations and dreams. When we hear Jesus say, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. My hard to imagine, isn't it? But the old song says, heaven will surely be worth it all. Don't get discouraged in these times. Listen, it's easy to do that. That's what these elders are here for. If you've got discouragement, it's not a shame to say, I'm discouraged. It's not a shame to say, I could use some help. I could use a word of encouragement. There's no shame in that. That's what these men are here for. They're here for you. And if we can help you, we will. But we don't know where those needs are or what day that is which you have that need unless you tell us. The lesson is yours. I hope it's encouraging. I hope it will build us up in our faith and make us stronger in the coming week and a greater determination to not let anything deter us from going to heaven. We're going to extend an invitation this morning. We never know what's going on in the lives of any individual. People don't generally just blurt out everything that's in their heart. 
But if you have a need in your life this morning, I want to promise you, Jesus knows it. And he says, come unto me, and I will give you rest. And he's capable of doing that. If you'll come as we stand and sing.